0: personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ.
1: Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of (laughs) ScaleX.ai and your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And I'm here today with Liam Martin, who is with uh, time Doctor and Running Remote, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about what those two companies do, and we're going to get to know Liam pretty well today. So I guess he's in the process of writing a book, so uh, I'd love to hear more about that also. Liam, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me.
2: And yeah, the the book is supposed to be top secret, but it's it's okay. Uh, we're It's a book on basically what makes some remote teams work and other ones don't. And very applicable to what we're currently going through
1: right now. Kind of timely, I would say on that one, for sure. Exactly. You're absolutely right. (laughs) So tell me more about the companies. Uh, Why why not stop at one when you can have two, right?
2: Well, actually, I probably have more than two uh, (laughs) when I really do think about it. But I think that's the entrepreneurial mind. You just, uh, for me, it's not about what I can do. But more importantly, deciding what I should not do, which is really critical to my overall success, at least. Uh, So company one is Time Doctor. That's a time tracking tool for remote teams. Uh, We've been running that for about 11 years now. And uh, we have employees in 43 different countries all over the world. And we have run that entire company remotely and asynchronously. Uh, since its inception. So we have no offices. I am currently actually in my walk-in closet um, upstairs, which i lovingly like to call my office. And we've worked that way since day one. I've actually worked remotely for almost 20 years uh, because I just really love it. And I know that that's changed recently with everyone switching over to a remote work model, which brings me to company two, which is Running Remote, which is the largest conference on building and scaling remote teams. We've been running that for about four years. And it was really a conference that came out of my own frustration about not actually seeing enough information out there on not just hiring a virtual assistant or building a small remote team to build a lifestyle business, but how do you build a unicorn, a billion dollar valuation company remotely? This conference is the exact playbook on how to be able to get there.
1: Oh, very cool. Well, you had to have done something to get to this point. And the best way I usually find to get to that answer is by go rewinding the tape and asking what are some of your first memories when you were younger, right? When you, let's say five, six, seven, uh, it sounds like you've got a young one at home now that doesn't have mm-hmm. memories yet, maybe, <laughs> or is just starting to formulate maybe. some of those. Um, What were some of your first memories and passion when you were a younger child?
2: Boy, I mean, if you want to go back to my earliest memory, uh, one of the ones that I remember was me being, um, I was, I fell inside of a ditch full of uh, stinging nettles. And I think you probably have those in most of the United States, but up in Canada, they're everywhere. And I was laying in this ditch and I couldn't speak because if I screamed, then the stinging nettles would sting me. So I remember just saying, help, help, help for about 15 minutes before my grandmother and mother found me. Wow, uh, That's my earliest memory. I see that in memory. like a
1: kid's book, right? Where you've got this little, little tiny help words coming out of the talk bubble.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's my earliest memory. I think I was probably three at that point, but, um, in terms of five or six, I mean, for me, it was a lot of really honestly hustles, uh, trying to figure out how to, how to do things. I remember running a, a soapbox derby, making a little bit of money at that. I remember, uh, the standard thing, like selling lemonade, cutting, you know, trying to cut lawns, uh, shoveling driveway driveways in the winter up here in Canada. Those were all the things that I did to be able to try to make a couple bucks. Um, and definitely some of my earliest memories that I can think of
1: uh, in general, actually, even though they're all entrepreneurial. That's pretty cool. Well, and then the next question, it becomes obvious. And that is, how does that connect to what you're doing today? And we just covered you. You have two companies plus dot, dot, dot. Some other ones probably that are out
2: there. Yeah, I think that entrepreneurship is one of those things that people at least for me, I had to almost come out of the closet as an entrepreneur. I originally started in graduate school and I, or I went, I started going to university and my goal was to, uh, to finish up my PhD in sociology. And that was really brought on by my family that wanted me to pursue academia, but I actually sold a very successful business in my undergrad to be able to fund graduate school. And if I had not sold that company, I mean, it would have been a multimillion dollar business easily uh, by the time I was 25, but I sold it to get the money to go to grad school. And then by going to grad school, I actually recognized that I really wasn't happy. And I had to do one of the most difficult things in my entire life, which was tell my parents that I did not want to pursue the path that they had, they believed that I should be doing and instead uh, going my own way. And I think that's really fundamental to entrepreneurship. My perspective is if you can't get hired anywhere, or like, I'll just give you another example. I've been fired or quit from almost every job I have ever taken on in my entire life. And mostly I was fired because I just didn't agree with the way that they were running the business. And I thought that they could do it in different ways. by extension, I thought I would do things in different ways and I'd get fired uh, due to that. If you're that type of person, entrepreneurship is really the only avenue for you for survival. Uh, fundamentally, you you need to eat. You know, if you get fired every three months, it's probably not super helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. What you just described is my career. Every two to three years, I'd move to the next one. And um, I always wondered, am I going to get fired? Because, you know, I'm breaking a lot of plates along the way. And causing the organization because you see inefficiencies that are extremely inefficient. And it's like, I can get you a eight X multiple return. I remember one recently, the lead conversion rate was like 8%. And in 90 days, we moved it to 18%. And I'm wow. like, yeah, all we're doing is calling leads 10 times each instead of the old way, which was one or a half a one. Right. And that was, that was basically it using technology to do it. And, and they were just like, what? You know, reps complain, the managers complain. Why do we have to call leads 10 times each? Uh, because we spend a million dollars a quarter on leads and right. we take it from eight to 18%. And there's a very, very big payoff on the back end of that. That's why. And it's like, well, right. you can't make me make calls. Okay. Well, maybe I need to go somewhere else.
2: <laughs> I remember I was 19 years old. And I was doing door-to-door sales and I was selling water coolers door-to-door. And if you want to learn how to sell, do door-to-door sales, be a, be a door-to-door salesman for yes. three months. You will learn everything that you need to know, including being told no um, about 10,000 times. And once you're told <laughs> no 10,000 <000 laughs> times, it no longer affects you, right? That's so true. I remember I was I'm 19, I'm doing door-to-door sales, selling a water cooler that you could buy at Costco for $200 that I was selling for $1,000 plus a water subscription. So it was not a very good product. And I would go door to door. And then I realized, wait a minute. And I was dealing with the retail side of the sector. I went into this office building and I spoke to the office director, the guy that was running this entire building. And I sold 30 water coolers in one deal. Made $30,000. I got a commission of, I think it was $250 per water cooler. I was like, for a 19 year old. That's pretty awesome.
1: That's pretty dangerous. This is
2: genius. I became the number one salesperson within two weeks. Why? Because I was only talking to businesses. I wasn't talking to individual homes. Uh, then I got called into their office. The big boss said, uh, yeah, you can't sell to offices. We only can sell to consumers. I said, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm making way more money. And they said, we know that that's stupid, but that's the rules. And, you know, you've got to go back to just selling door to door. So what I did, which again, got me fired is I said, well, this is, I'm going to come up with a much easier system instead of going door to door, working all day and selling one or maybe two water coolers. Instead, I'm going to sell 30 water coolers to that business. And I'm going to set up 30 different contracts. So I'm going to actually set up like 30 different purchase orders for those 30 water coolers and within two weeks they found that out and i was fired Uh, but you know i made a lot of money in the interim which was great
1: oh that's good so it sounds like it's funny because i just talked to someone who does mindset coaching like napoleon hill kind of stuff really big time cool stuff and I told them that my being fired was one of my traumatic moments in life. And now you're able, it's what's interesting, right? Is that you're able to say, yeah, I was fired multiple times and it doesn't affect you. Um, how do you, you know, how did you, what mindset do you have going into that conversation? I mean, I think I know you just shared, it's the entrepreneurial mindset, but how do you, how do you be okay with that? It took me a lot of years, I think, to, to be okay with that.
2: Well, I think for anyone that wants to become an entrepreneur, even if you're not an extroverted person, I think the first thing that you should be doing is going out and doing door-to-door sales, to be completely honest with you. It is one of the fastest ways to be able to get negative news on a microcosm and just become bulletproof to that type of those types of interactions. So getting fired as an example, I'm sure that Probably everyone listening to this right now has probably been fired once in their lives, and if they haven't, I actually don't think they're really pushing hard enough. To be completely honest with you, uh, I would I would challenge people to say, okay, if you've never been fired, then maybe you're not really passionate about you know what you're doing. Um, is yeah, a lot of people are really not passionate about what they're doing, and a lot of people confuse passion with with you know, frustration in the business or something like that, particularly if they're an employee. But you know, for me, when I see that type of frustration inside of my company, that's something that I love to level up, right? So if someone comes back and they've been breaking the rules, those are people that I usually give more resources to and not less. <laughs> and <laughs> I in love large it. corporate, it's actually the opposite, right? Yeah. So yeah. in a large corporate of a thousand people, that's probably the fastest way for you to get fired. But if you're also interested in, You know, becoming more entrepreneurial, join a company that has less than 10 employees that's gotten around of venture capital financing. That is the fast, that's the second stage. Right after you do door-to-door sales, go do that and do that for about two years. You're gonna have a PhD in entrepreneurship and
1: you're gonna be able to build your own thing. Totally right. So tell me about uh, something in life that maybe was difficult for you. It felt like a gut punch of all gut punches. That you're comfortable sharing on the show, um, other than being fired, because that one we've just said is not a big deal. So, what's something that was a big deal and looking back now made you who you are?
2: You know, I think this kind of pulls back to a core thesis um, that I've heard multiple people say, and I can't remember where I got it from, but it's something that's that I've I've held for a very long time, which is uh, the secret to life is being comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And when I think to the moments in my life in which I've been the most stressed but also achieved the most growth, it's been in uncomfortable conversations for any purpose. So thinking of one off the top of my head, and I mean there are there are tons of them. Um, our software, Time doctor, which is a time tracking tool for remote workers, uh, it went down due to a database issue about three years ago for. Almost two days, and we lost a million dollars in annual recurring revenue, which works out to, if you know, the software as a service world, works out to millions and millions of dollars in in lost revenue uh, inside of the business. And I remember getting letters from people saying, "Hey, you know, uh, how am I supposed to do payroll for all of my employees in the next two days?" Hey, Liam, I really like you as a person, but your software sucks. And it's not working any longer. And I got to quit. Um, you know, these are the types of things that you just, I remember that being one of the most stressful periods of my entire life, because I'm not a technical person. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm a marketer instead of an engineer and just watching the last eight years of your life kind of almost burn up, right? It's, it's a really destructive experience, but then I realized as well that you know this is this was the absolute worst thing that could have ever happened to the business. And because we've gotten through that, we were effectively bulletproof afterwards. Um, you know, there are things now that would have affected me in the business. And now I'm I'm much more calm about it because I say to myself, oh well, we didn't lose a million dollars today, so <laughs> so that's pretty good. Uh, we didn't <laughs> lose three million dollars today, you know that's pretty good, particularly yeah. for a bootstrap company like mine that just you know we don't have any venture funding or anything like that. Uh, so a couple million bucks really hurts. Yeah,
1: I I feel that because we had about a six hundred thousand dollar hit this year on mm-hmm. uh, on a million. Uh, a million, two of revenue. So yeah, 50% hit. And it's finally now after two quarters is fully been recovered, but um, yeah, that was a painful time. And you just, it does help you put it in perspective.
2: The other lesson that I gained from that experience, which is directly applicable to our current situation was with COVID. So when COVID hit, I knew that a remote time tracking tool was probably going to expand during that period as opposed to contract. Mm -hmm. And I committed myself, I've done 680 podcasts since, uh, since the pandemic started. Wow. Just as a context, we started making as much content as humanly possible. Uh, We started giving away our conference content for free because we wanted to distribute as much of this messaging as humanly possible because we recognized our mission statement is we wanna help facilitate the world's transition towards remote work. We've had that mission statement for the past 10 years. And we realized at that point with COVID, even though COVID is absolutely horrible and we would have never wanted that to happen, there is a silver lining that people are now able to get access to remote work opportunities that they would have never been able to get access to before. And now is our time to work and to grind and to get to the point in which we can distribute that message uh, to more and more people. And if we hadn't had those types of, if I hadn't had those types of, I guess, uh, stressful, anxiety filled experiences in my life previously, it just really wouldn't have prepared me for that moment. Um, where I had the opportunity to be able to really put a positive impact on what's been a horrible 18 months.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well said. And I think for people listening, if you're in that moment where you're feeling like you're against all odds, there is a silver lining. You, you just put one foot in front of the other. And before you know it, your day comes and oh, wow, now I'm ready. And I've, I've heard that over and over and over again on this podcast. So that's very cool what um if there's something over the next if you if i you came back on the podcast three years from now and we look back and said, "Man, these have been an amazing three years, what will have happened either in your business in your personal life like what would be the thing or you know looking back that you would be most proud of three years from now
2: you know i have um I have a little piece of paper that i write down all of my goals on and I put it in my wallet so that every time I can actually uh, just grab money or something like that, I can see that little piece of paper and it reorganizes my mind to recognize what I really want to work on. Uh, I think a lot of people, they, the reason why most people fail is they focus on giving up what they want most in the world for what they want right now. So do you want six pack abs? Absolutely. That's what I really want. What do I want right now? Well, I want a piece of cake or want an ice cream or something like that. Uh, how is your business, you know, functioning? What are your goals in life? Um, you know, do you want to build a hundred million dollar business, a billion dollar business? Yeah. I want to do all those things, but I actually really just want to buy a new house or a new Tesla or something like that right now. So, Where I see myself in three years is really focusing in on continuing to be disciplined in where I put my time, where I put my resources, how I build my relationships. I know that that's probably not the exact answer that you're really looking for. But if I continue to do that, then I know I'm going to be able to maximize what I want in the future and hopefully deflect what I want right now, which is a lot of things. And it's a daily battle with me to be able to try to fight against um, those
1: two sides of my personality. Well, I love that answer because I'm in the similar boat. It's easy for sales (laughs) leaders and CEOs to say, I need to sell a million units, or if I'm in a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. I need to do X. Well, that's outcomes. And if you miss it or you hit it, well, then, you know, you got to go do a new outcome. If you focus on the activities, like you're saying, what mix am I doing of where I'm spending my time? And if it's in the things that you enjoy doing, then it doesn't really matter what the outcome is at the end. I don't care if I'm worth $10 million 25 years from now, or if I'm worth $2 million or $500 million. If you have a goal, I have to be a billion dollar worth in 10 years. I had a friend that did that. And guess what? He's probably $300 of his way towards a billion. And that was 20 years ago. Great goal, but right. what trade-offs are involved, right? Mm-hmm. He's had to trade off a lot in, in getting to that kind of net worth. So focusing Absolutely. on activities, man, that's, that's, I like that a lot. And it's easy yeah. too when you look at it that way and you look at your calendar, just color code it. I'm doing about 50% of my time on this podcast and other things that are completely unrelated to my scale business, mm-hmm. Um but it's the right thing. And and you can easily move that needle as you need to over time. If the revenue's out there on one side, okay, I need to move 10% off of this and move 10% over to that. It's very Mm -hmm. easy to pivot. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: And regardless of wherever you end up, if you continue on with the adage of focusing on long-term growth, as opposed to short-term gains, you're always going to succeed. It's just like, that really is the core piece that everyone has to fight constantly. Um, it's the cake, you know, having cake today, instead of your, your vegetables, it's not going to the gym, right? It's not focusing on your business instead of focusing on your business instead of watching Netflix, right? Like these are things that we all have to fight in order to do what we really want to do versus what we want to do right now.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we built this app called 77 pray and it's, you know, for people who want to pray. And so first mm-hmm. thing in the morning, it pops up little reminder and you go check the box. Okay. I woke up and I had a tiny little prayer. It doesn't say you have to pray for that. 20 minutes or anything. It's just a real simple little thing. And then you read a Bible verse and then you act throughout the day. And then you read a Bible verse at the end of the day. And then there's wow. ability to add other, if you say, okay, workout. So I added like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday workout for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's not that much effort, but 30 minutes, four days a week, that that consistency starts to add up. So yeah, to your point that to me, there's the baseline of here's what I need to do no matter what. And then you just keep adding onto that and having a consistent reminder pop up on your screen every day is kind of a nice thing.
2: My, uh, my friend of mine, a friend of mine, Dan Martell tells me 1% better every day. Just get 1% better every day. (laughs) That's all you need to do. That's not a hard ask, but then in a year you'll be
1: blown away at how far you can go. I go to Dan's ski retreats and, uh, last year was canceled, but the one year before that, uh, the backcountry ski area. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to the one in February, should Canada open up again by then?
2: (laughs) I think we will be. I'm almost positive we will be.
1: I hope so, because that's a lot of fun. And Dan's an amazing human being. Uh, $1 problems, $10 problems, $100 problems. Have you heard him talk about that one? Yes. Yeah, I have.
2: Uh, I've known him for 10 years. So really nice guy. And again, it's just like, there are people, that's a perfect example of someone that you can, you can really look at that's
1: focusing on the long-term trajectory versus what they want right now. hundred percent. Last question before we go, and that is what role does faith play in your journey? Everyone defines faith a little bit differently, I think, in today's day and age, and there's no one right answer. So what, how does faith play a role in your journey? You know, faith
2: for me, and this is funny because um, I was just having a conversation about this yesterday. If I didn't have faith in the universe, in myself, to be able to do what I have done in my life, I never would have started, right? It's that entrepreneurship is the concept of jumping off the cliff and building the, the plane on the way down, right? It's I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I just have faith that it's going to happen because I know that. I have the right mindset and the universe is aligned in order for me to be able to achieve that particular mindset. And, and I'm going, and I'm approaching the problem from a perspective of helping the world as opposed to hurting it. And as long as you have that, those pieces in place, it doesn't matter where your faith comes from, you'll have it and you'll be able to achieve whatever you want.
1: That's right. You know, last story I'll tell you, there was a a guy who does those squirrel suit jumps out of airplanes and cliffs. So he really does do what you just said. And he Uh said one time he was climbing up the rope. He, He went to Olympic mindset training, like for the Olympics, even though he didn't compete in the Olympics. And it causes you to look at the world, slow it down, right? And look at all the pieces of everything. So he climbs up this rope ladder and he sees a little sticker of the name of the brand of the rope ladder gets to the top, does the squirrel suit jump. He's going 120 miles an hour or whatever they do. He looks over and in freeze frame, he sees that little tag and he can read the sticker going that fast and a zip by. And I think a lot of times we go through life so quickly and we just let it happen. And when we, <laughs> ca- when we cause ourselves to, to plan and get 1% better every day, we take a, take a minute, look around, look at, the, look at the tag and the name of the tag on that rope ladder Otherwise, the world's just going to pass you by too fast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's definitely something that I have been guilty of, and I try to do that a lot more often now.
1: Amazing. All right. We've been talking to Liam Martin, who is with Time Doctor and running Remote, the largest online conference for remote learning. So what a cool impact you're having. Uh, I work for Ring Central. I know a lot of people at Zoom and I used to work for Webex. So I've been in this remote space for um, a, a few decades at this point and a uh, big fan of it. So keep on doing what you're doing. It's a, it's an important, it's important job that you do for everybody. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. Living better Story.
0: Thank you for joining us on the you matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.